0: Okay, just rest at your feet, but let's give reverence to God. the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians. Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to read just a couple verses. If you're a guest with us, we've been preaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We're to a part that is very personable. And if you're looking for a title for the message, um, it is the wide open heart. Now, I believe we did something very unique um, in that after we read this text and pray, before you sit down... Maybe we could pass a couple on this direction, but I believe all of the notes and outlines and announcements are on this side. I'm not sure y'all have any over here. Is that my correct? Right. So we'll share some, maybe here in a minute. You can pass them over, right? We'll see how that works. I don't think maybe we didn't print enough. Um, okay. Can we go to the Lord's Word? We're going to pick it up in 2 Corinthians. The title of the message is, The Wide Open Heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 11 through 13, then I'll read two verses in chapter 7, verse 2 through 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul says, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in a like exchange, I speak as to children. Open wide to us also. Chapter 7, verse 2. Make room for us in your hearts. We wronged no one. We corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. I do not speak to condemn you. For I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness towards you. Can we ask the Lord's blessing over this message this morning? This is your message. May we capture what the original author is intended for his people, for your people to understand from this text. God, help us. Help us understand the wide open heart that Paul had because Jesus had that. We love him because he first loved us. And may this translate to a wide open heart from those who've discouraged us, from those who maybe have sinned against us, but maybe even it's for us, maybe our heart has been closed to somebody. So God, open up this text. Let it be expounded upon. Let us understand what the original recipients understood. Let us make the application. And God's people said, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The top of the message is a wide open heart, a wide open heart this message may be sappier than what you're probably used to me coming forth, but I've been really excited to share this with you, the wide open heart. If you, if you have an outline, if one made it to you, the outline today, I have a four, four-part outline. Open up, gut up, right? I just wanted to use that word. We'll get, we'll get why I use that word. Open up, gut up, speak up, back up, right? Four-part outline. But like every good sermon, right, we have to have an introduction and as you're looking at this passage, I want you to look at a couple things and notice between verse 11 and 13 and chapter 7, verse 2 through 4, we see the word heart mentioned many times. We see it mentioned four times in these six verses, four times. Three of those times the word heart is in the original text. One time it's not. It's a word that's supplied there by the translators for a smoothness of reading. So when you see chapter 7, verse 2, and it says, make room For us in your hearts, is that italicized in your Bible? Do you see that? That means it's not there in the original text, but provided by implication and for smoothness of reading by the translators. So, but we see this ideal in heart. Paul's saying, "Open wide your heart to us." Now, if you've been here, you kind of know why Paul would say that. Remember. Paul had loved them, sacrificed for them, had spent 18 months planting them, had written a letter to them, had made a visit to them, had gone to extremes to love them. And the more Paul, Paul loved them so much, he was a preacher that didn't take their money, right? Have you ever seen that, right? So well, it's an amazing ministry he had to them, and they didn't love him. They, they um, said things that weren't true about him, believed things that weren't true. When you look down in chapter uh, 7, verse 2, He has to defend that he hasn't wronged them. He hasn't corrupted. He hasn't taken advantage of them. He never took a dime from them. And yet they said, You took advantage of us. He had loved them and they had crossed him. And yet in the text, that doesn't deter him. He says, Open wide your heart to us. Open wide. My heart's open wide. You're the only one stopping your heart being open wide. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but for most of us, if we had been treated like trash most of the time in our common secular understanding relationships, we would say, well, time to set up a boundary. We can't have toxic people. Let's block out all the toxic people in our life. But what does Paul do? He says, toxic people, my heart is still open to you. You're the only one stopping your heart. Open your heart up to me. The wide open heart. Isn't that amazing? So why is it hard to have a wide open heart? Well, there's a couple reasons. One is just even initially giving your heart away or open up, opening up your heart to somebody. It's a very vulnerable thing to do. A big reason we don't like to open up our heart is because we're afraid of rejection, right? Like if you're a young man and there's been a girl that you've been in the friend zone with for quite some time. Any of men ever remember being in the friend zone, right? And there's a girl you've been hanging out with, hanging out with, and you're just afraid of rejection. So you don't take that next step of, of asking her out on a date because you're just afraid of getting rejected. You know, you want to open your heart, but you're afraid your heart's just going to get crushed, so you'd rather just still be the dude that's listening to her stories about guys she likes while you're just sitting on the sidelines, right? Does anybody know that kind of story, right? Sometimes we don't open up our heart because we are afraid of rejection. We don't want it. Amen or oh me, (laughs) right? It happens. It happens. But you know what's really hard Sometimes you can open up your heart. You can have a wide open heart. But really sometimes we don't do it because it went bad for us in the last time we did it. You ever opened up your heart and went bad? Ever given your heart and it went bad? Oh, if you're a parent who's ever had a child go wayward, you know what that's like. If you're a parent who's had a child go wayward and that child is still wayward, you know what that's like. It's really hard to open up your heart if it ever went bad. But what if it goes bad multiple times? Well, that's a good question. I got a picture I want to show you. And tell me if y'all know who this is. Does anybody know who this is? It's Reggie Jackson, right? Reggie Jackson, right? When he retired from baseball, right, after 21 seasons, he was sixth on the home run list, sixth on the home run list of all-time home runs. Now he's 14. We've we figured out how to use steroids for a season, right? And we hit more home runs. So he's now 14, but nonetheless, he was so good that during the fall, right, when you get in the playoffs, they had a nickname for him. Does anybody remember his nickname? Mr. October. You wanted this guy on your team, right? Many world championships from the teams that he was in, right? This is Mr. October, number six on the home run hitting record when he retired. But there's one record he still holds today, and no one has been able to shatter it yet. Isn't that amazing? One record. No one has accomplished this feat. And I want to tell you what. If you allowed me 21 seasons to play professional baseball, I promise you right now, I could have broke that record. He holds the record still, number one. I rechecked it this morning just in case something happened, you know, this last week. He holds the record for the most strikeouts. Isn't that amazing? Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, the guy who is known for helping you win the World Series, you want him on your team, holds the record for strikeouts. Isn't that amazing? But also, he hit a lot of home runs. You can't hit a home run... If you don't go to the plate. And if you let a strikeout, even a pretty audacious record of a strikeout, you can't ever do anything if you let a strikeout keep you in the dugout. So here's the hardest thing about opening wide your heart, I think, is a lot of times people, by the way, I have a baseball right here. It's not a real baseball because I was afraid how I would use it and it might hurt somebody, right? So I kind of picked one that was a little bit lighter, right? So, oh, we got front row people here. Let's see. Oh, he got it. Throw it back to me. Let's see if we embarrass myself. Don't throw it hard. Don't embarrass me. All right. We got it right here. That's pretty good. Anybody else? Can anybody else catch? Let's see. Can David Rose catch? David, let's see. Oh, he. okay. Now, here we go. Give it back to me. Oh, okay. I was trying to impress here, right? So, no one wants to sit on the front row anymore, right? I'll... Anybody on the back row think they can catch, right? Okay, all right. We got Melissa back there. Uh, I better not. (laughs) But that's why I picked this size. Let's see it. Oh, he caught it. Okay. This is why I picked one that wasn't weighted because I was afraid I would give in to my urges. Right? I am but flesh, right? So, So here's the deal. Here's what I found out. A lot of people treat the open heart like they treat striking out. It's kind of like this. There's a lot of people that someone hurt you before. You opened your heart, they hurt you. And it was like strike one, right? And you know what you did? You went back to the dugout. Does any major league hitter, okay, he held the record for strikeouts, right? Do you think he ever just got pitch one, strike, and just said, man, I'm just gonna go ahead and go back to the bench? Would he do that? Let one strike cause him to just give up on the next couple pitch counts. No, he'd he'd still keep going. But I think a lot of us have done this in life. We let one strike and we just gave up the plate already. Just went back. And I think there's a lot of us that have actually had three strikes and a relationship was tarnished and another relationship and we've let all this cataclysm keep us from having an open heart towards people. We've now protected the heart. You want to know why the Dead Sea in Israel is called the Dead Sea? You ever heard of the Dead Sea in Israel, the Dead Sea? You want to know why it's the Dead Sea? Because water goes in, but what does it not do? It doesn't go out. We are meant to be channels of blessing, of open hearts. I love our passage of text because Paul is doing something. It's not the first time he's done it. It's not the last time. He has been greatly hurt and harmed by these people But because of the finished work of the cross, that does not make him go bitter. It makes him go better, right? And he continually says, open your hearts. He's not being shy about it. You're the only one stopping yourself. But have you given up? Have you let a couple strikeouts keep you from opening wide your heart? Now, I've been in ministry now for 25 years. I've been in where I've been working in a church, been on staff in a church for 25 years. I'm going to put that down so I don't do anything foolish with it from here on out. And I can tell you this. The hardest part of ministry is that you will get a broken heart. If you love people and you give of yourself, they're going to break your heart. That's just part of it, right? You're going to have people misalign you, say things about you. It'll be unfair, and you're going to understand at some point you're disposable to a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying that to paint a bleak picture, but what I'm pointing out to you is this. If you, if us, the way you do ministry, the way you love your family, the way you care in relationships, the way you disciple, if you and I let a couple strikeouts just melt it in and forget it, we'll never actually do anything really great. Because although Reggie Jackson, right, although he had a lot of strikeouts, he had a lot of home runs. And today he's still called what? Mr. October. He actually helped, he was the deciding factor on many teams getting into the playoffs and making the World Series. In fact, on all the teams he played on, only two seasons out of that 21 seasons did that team have a losing record, right? Mr. October. All right, you can take this picture down. A strikeout didn't keep him from coming back to the plate. And my encouragement to us as we get into this today, this message, is God has called us to open heart just like Paul is. God has called us to not shut up. God has called us to not draw up, to set up boundaries. That's not what God, or to close up or close shop. That's not what God wants us to do. He wants an open heart. Well, the question now remains, how do we get the open heart? What? Does it take to have the open heart? Well great question you asked. Look at your outline. Here's the first thing. When we look in our text, I find the open heart first off, you've just got to open up. I know that sounds, you know, simple, but this is really a simple message. Now look in the text of verse eleven. He says this We have spoken freely to you, O Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. Now who's doing the opening wide here? Is it the Corinthians or is it Paul? Paul. He's taking the initiative. He's the first one to the plate, right? Open wide your hearts. We, I am opening wide my heart, first off. Now, how can a person open wide their heart when your heart's already been broken by people before? How can you do that? Well, if Christ is in you, the hope of glory, the, the, the worst thing anybody could ever do to you would be to take your life. That'd be the worst. And then you're still with the Lord in glory, right? Right? Here's the amazing thing that I think we're forgetting as Christians. There's no such thing as an inability to forgive people of the worst of things. If I've been forgiven of everything, that means I can forgive everything. You know, A lot of us, we simply will not forgive. We won't practice the obedience of what we have in Christ. And so we shut up. We close up. We set up boundaries and markers and no one can get over, if you've hurt me, that's it. I want to make a proposal that, no, that's not it. In fact, if you decide to become someone who won't open wide your heart, you'll become the Dead Sea. Because grace will keep pouring in your life. You'll have no outflow and it'll shut you up. Now, I want you to understand, when Paul writes this, this isn't one of these kind of sappy, oh, oh I, I have an open heart towards you, Corinthians. They had done him wrong and done him wrong in a bad way. Have you ever sacrificed all that you had for somebody Only to have them talk trash about you behind your back. That's the deal here. So first is open up. Paul opens up. He says in verse 11. Our heart is open wide to you. He's not hiding anything back. Now keep looking at verse 12. Look down at verse 13. He he then says. Now in like exchange I speak to you as children. Open wide to us. Notice. Is he expecting the Corinthians to be the first one to open wide their hearts, or is he expecting himself? It's himself. But you know what we do many times? We kind of say, well, when they open up, I'll open up. When they, when they do something, I'll do something. And I would say, that's not the way of the cross. Right? Who's responsible to make the first step in any relationship? The one who realizes that there's a problem. And I want you to I want us all to understand, people are not near as perceptive or near as righteous as what we think they are, right? You would be surprised how many people you think they should know better what they've done to me, therefore the relationship shut off, I'll only re-engage once they say something or do something. I want you to be, not be surprised. Most people, because of their depravity, don't realize what they've done. And most people, because of their depravity, have never talked to them about it. And if they did... It was only in pride and arrogance and all for self glory and not the glory of God and their good. Paul comes in and says, It's really not about me. I'm gonna op- We've opened our hearts wide to you. Will you open your hearts wide to us? Open up. That's the first key to actually the wide open heart. You got to open up. Look in chapter 7, verse 2. He says, Make room for us. Now, because I told you the translator is supplied in your hearts. But he says, make some space for us. Make some space at the plate for us. I love that. So the question is this. Have we closed our heart off to people or we opened our heart up? And I'm not talking about in general. I'm talking about really someone or somebody that has so hurt us the way the Corinthians have hurt Paul. Have we been able to have a wide open heart? It starts first with a open up. Now, point number two on your outline. Point number two is kind of a weird one. What does point number two say? Gut up, right? You haven't heard that word in a while, have y'all? Gut up. Man, isn't that kind of a different word, gut up? Um, There's a reason why I use that word. By the way, I tried to go a little bit more sterile. Uh, So I have gut up, and what does it say in parentheses? Heart up. Now, you might be wondering, where are you getting this idea gut? Well, hang with me. There's a reason. So when I played little league baseball growing up, uh, the, the coach one year, at the so the way it worked, it's really different now. Today, everybody's got these competition ball teams, and there's like multiple teams. It's just confusing and honestly feels a little overwhelming. But back in the day, here's how it worked. You played in a rec league, and at the end of the season, that city whoever won the championship, that coach got to then pick players from every team and create an all-star team. And then you traveled around to other cities and played other teams. I don't even know if we do that anymore. It's so complicated with all the kind of like, you know, kind of different kind of, you know, traveling ball. But that's how it kind of worked. I remember that when you get on one of these teams, these were the best in the whole league. So you, if you get to invited to be on the all-star team, there's three or four other guys that are just as good as you at your position. And so you may have been the superstar on your team during the season, but when it came to the all-star, you may not get to play the whole entire game. You may not be the superstar. You might be an all-star, but you're not a superstar. And I can remember the first time that I played on one of those, the coach, all the kids were griping, and, and, and really someone bigger than the you know, kids were griping. Who do you think was griping? The parents, right? Why isn't is my Johnny out there playing the whole entire? Don't you know he's the best player out there? Well, Johnny's just an all-star among many superstars, right? So parents would get mad and stuff. And I remember the coach having this big conversation with everybody where he said, hey, parents, kids, here's what you need to understand. When it comes game day for each game, you may be in there an inning, you may be there the whole game. What I'm trying to do is just follow my gut, right? That's all. I, I, can't, I don't have any explanation for why. I just got to follow my gut. I'm going to put who I think should be out there I just—I don't have any way to describe it. There's just something inside of me. I'm going to follow my gut. You get it? Now, what he was saying was, it's not literally his bowel system, although in their language, they sometimes described the most inner part of you as the bowels, right? The most inner organs, right? The reason I call this gut up is because when you look at the text, look down at chapter 6, verse 12. He says, you are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections, right? Now, that word affections is a, a word that, that really denotes like the inward intestines and organs and bowels. In fact, anybody got a King James here today, right? What's the word that King James uses? Bowels, right? Man, the good old King's English, right? They, now, the reason is because that Greek word has many different definitions and the, most of our translators use the word affection. King James translators use the word bowels, but it's denoting this idea of not just the heart, but but kind of like this tenderness to the heart, just this kind of on the inside, your guts, like everything you have on the inside, you're giving all you've got from the inside. Now, this is why I decided to use that word gut up, because when Paul talks here, he says, you got to open up, then you got to gut up. And gut up is, I've got to offer all of myself from the deepest of what everything I've got on the inside and And the word, the Greek word used here is just denoting, sometimes that word is translated as heart, affections. Here, because he's already used the word heart many times in the Greek word cardia, he uses a different word to denote at your gut level, at everything you got, your affections from deep in. Notice in verse 12, he says, you're not restrained by us, but you are restrained. You are tightened up by your own affections, by your own gut. Right? So he says, what's stopping you from opening to us, Corinthians, is you're not giving us all of yourself. You're not giving us everything. You're holding back. You're trying to protect your heart. You're trying to guard your heart in this. Oh, Corinthians, would you not do that? We have not done that. Nothing is holding us back. You've restrained yourself. We are not restraining anything. You've restrained your affections. We have not restrained our affections, or the kind of more proper word, on the inside, our guts. So if you're going to open up, a wide, this kind of opening wide your heart to people. you got to open up, but then you got to gut up, right? That means when you do actually open wide your heart, you don't stop and try to protect it. For the glory of God and their good, you do everything you can to bring about a resolution and a reconciliation to the relationship. If it goes bad, your focus is, did I glorify God and do well to others? But that's going to require... Not this holding back of yourself, but this gutting up of yourself. Where you're willing to go from the deepest of my affections. Brother, I love you. I miss you. I miss our relationship. Or if it's like a wayward son or daughter, like, daughter, I miss you. I love you. I miss our time together. I, uh, you know, There is a void in my life. I want us to be back in relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's this, from the gut, gut I think people sometimes think that we need to protect ourselves. There's so much talk about boundaries. There's a proper way to look at that, but I want to be honest with you. 99% of the conversations I hear about all this boundary business is really just people trying to protect themselves from opening up, from gutting up. Now, for for those of you that can't take the word gut, I put next to it heart, right? So that would denote the inward. But I just want to give you the idea of the Greek word, this inward intestines and organs. You gotta open up you got to gut up. When you do open wide your heart, don't hold it back. Now, when I say don't hold it back, I'm not saying tell everything that's wrong with that person. Like, oh, I just, need to, I just need to regurgitate every piece of vomit that you've ever done to me in my life. And I just need to gut up. That's what Nick told me. Gut up, right? So just let me just spew everything you've ever done. No, what I'm saying is, from your perspective... You do everything to display the love of Christ to them. You do everything you can display humility. You do everything to forgive as Christ is forgiven. You do everything to love them the way Christ is loving you, loved us. Did Christ love us while we were a perfect church? No, because while we were yet what? Sinners, Christ died for us. Open up, gut up, or heart up, if you like a more sterile way to say it. Have you, although I don't like the phrase, but I... I kind of, you get, hopefully you get my phrasing behind it. When was the last time you just gut up, right? When was the last time you followed your gut and went wide open to try to restore that relationship? Wide open to make sure that that person may think the worst and evil about you, but from your perspective, you'll do everything you can to clear the air so that they have the best opportunity to restore that relationship with you. Gut up. Then number three, Speak up. Speak up. You have to open your mouth. Now, here's what I love about this text. If your motivations are right, then your words will be right. A lot of times we won't speak up because we know our motivations aren't right. But now you notice in the text already, Paul says, we've opened our heart wide. In fact, we've, we've gone further than the heart. We've opened up the gut to you, right? Like, we have opened wide to you. So Paul's motivation here is really not about himself. It's about the glory of God and the good of others. So when Paul comes to speak up, he can do it from a right heart and motivation. A lot of times, trying to open wide our heart to people, a lot of times we won't do it well because when we speak up, we're speaking from a position of unforgiveness, of pain, of wanting to get it even and wanting to self-exalt ourselves. That's really what happens a lot of times. But when there has been a proper placing of Christ in our life, Paul comes in and his motivations are clean and pure. It, it has nothing about self-exaltation. It has everything about God-exaltation. And he, he wants the Corinthians to open up because he has an apostolic ministry. He is invested in them. He knows, he knows that God has plans for them. They have grossly mischaracterized his character. They have grossly sinned against him, so much so that when he made that secret, when he made that visit that we don't have much about, it was a disastrous visit and they treated him terrible. But Paul is at a position where he will still speak freely to them. Not for his glory, but for the glory of God and their good. So Paul says in the text, now we're to speak up, look at some things that he does. And you can see his motivations are right from this. Look look down at chapter 7, verse 2. He says, I do not speak to condemn you. I do not speak to condemn you. You know, a lot of times when, if you're going to try to open wide your heart to somebody that has, you've struck out with many times, your goal in doing this cannot be, I just want to condemn you, right? It's, I want to restore, right? The restoration I have with Jesus, I want to have in our relationship. So Paul says, I'm not here to condemn you. That's not my goal here in this. I'm not trying to do that. For I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. But Paul's saying, "It's not about me. In fact, you're so much in my heart that I would die with you." And you know what else I do? I'd live with you." <laughs> Sometimes in life, it may be easier to die with somebody than live with them, right? <laughs> Have you ever been there before? It's kind of like this phrase that people say all the time, which, by the way, I, I, I reject it, right? But I hear this phrase all the time: "I love you, but I don't what? But I don't like you. I's that biblical? I mean, some shades you may be able to use that, but most of the time what people mean is, I love you, but I don't want to live with you. I don't want to live around you, right? I die with you. I die for you, God, because God said I'm supposed to love some people that I give my life, so I love you, but man, you're a dirt sandwich, and I will not hang out with you, right? I do not want to live with you. live around you. Paul comes in, and he's like, hey, listen, I die with you, but I think a lot harder sometimes is living with people, Right? Man, have you ever been there before, right? Where you're trying to love on somebody and you're just like, Lord, take me now. Uh, Just take me and we'll be okay. But Paul wants to live and die together. It's not even about him. So when it's not about you, you can start to speak up because everything that comes out is about the glory of God and their good. It's not about you spewing up gut vomit. It's about you exposing your gut, your love for them in ways that draw them to God because of the work that God has done in your own heart and life. So he says, he speaks up. Look, so he says to them in verse, in verse 3, I do not speak to condemn you. I just want you to know, let me reassure you. But not only that, look at verse 2. He reconfirms the things that he knows they think about him that are wrong. He makes the effort and says, can I bring some clarification? He says, we've wronged no one. He says that because they have accused him of wronging people, Right? We've corrupted no one. They say that because that was an accusation. We took advantage of no one. He says that because that was an accusation. Now, here's what happens in relationships sometimes. You've already opened your heart to people. You've done things for them. But, man, it was a strikeout. They've hurt you. They've harmed you. They've thought things about you that you think, man, why would you ever think that? All the good I've done. Where have you ever seen this in the totality and character of my life? And then what happens sometimes is we'll say, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. All that I did for that person... How dare they think that about me? How dare they give into that gossip, that malicious lie? I'm done with them. In fact, I'm not going to justify what they've said by trying to give any clear clarity to what they think about me. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying here, right? But what does Paul do? Hey, there's some things you believe that aren't true about me. I'd, live, I'd die for you. I'd die with you. I'd live with you. I mean, listen, the wrong, that's not true. The corruption... That's not true. Like all these things, I want to give you an answer. A lot of times we're so wrapped up in pride and arrogance that we think we're above giving an answer to people even though what they thought about us may be false and incorrect because it wasn't about him. When he came time to speak up, his, his motivations were right. He, so he already opened up his heart. He already did the gut work. Now he's speaking up. Take a look at chapter six, verse eleven. He says, "Our mouth has spoken what freely Freely to you, freely to you." Here's how one of the ways you're going to know that your heart is right before the Lord when you try to open wide your heart is that if the words you say to them and it was and the words you say were for the glory of God and they're good, trying to restore, open wide your heart, and they take your words and twist them. Have you ever had that happen? words get taken and twisted. That may happen, but that wasn't Paul's concern. So Paul didn't go into this opening wide his heart trying to hold back his words or, oh, I'm afraid, what are they going to do? Man, that's God's, that's God's realm. He'll take care of that. So Paul says, nope, our mouth has spoken what? Freely to you. I'm going to freely open my heart. I'm going to freely speak to you. I'm going to freely Open my gut up to you. I'm going to be free with this. A lot of times when we try to even open the heart wide to anybody that has struck that we've struck out with, a lot of times we, we won't even do that. We, even if we do, we speak so carefully that we're afraid that they may use this maliciously against us and twist our words and manipulate. I get that. But really, our focus is what glorifies God and brings honor to Him. So... We see this idea of open up, gut up, and speak up. You see it so much that look down at chapter 4, um, chapter 7, verse 4. Look down at chapter 7, verse 4. In kind of A, we're going to look at just the first part of that. He says this, great is my what? Boldness toward you. Have you ever tried to open up your heart to somebody? Whew, that's intimidating. You ever tried to restore a relationship? Whew, that's intimidating. Sweaty palms, weak knees, and sweaty eyebrows. But Paul's heart was right before the Lord. His words were were rightly measured through motivation so that he could come in in verse 4 and go, Great is my boldness towards you. Like I I didn't hold back. In fact, I was bold. I was bold to speak freely, I was bold to open my heart. I didn't cast off this relationship. They had done him wrong, but he's coming back to do them right for the glory of God. And they're a good. Man, I'm telling you, this this boldness, a lot of times we go, a lot of times we won't do this because we simply lack the boldness, because we simply lack obedience to what the Holy Spirit through the Word has done. Here's the belief you got to understand. The Spirit of God with the direction of the Word of God will always lead you to the will of God. And so... What is Paul doing? The Spirit of God and the Word of God is calling him to the will of God. And he is opening his heart, not shutting it, to a people who have harmed him and hurt him. But this life for Paul was not about his own glory. It was about the glory of God and the good of these Corinthians to help conform them to the image of Christ. So Paul was willing to be used in any which way, twisted any which way, so that maybe perchance there could be redemption. Side note, has anybody read chapter 7? That did happen. That did happen. But that's in a couple weeks. Maybe you'll come back. Now, let's go to point number four. Back up. Back up. Go up to chapter 6, verse 13. Before we leave this, I do want to point out some things. So, thus far, really, this message has been more about Paul towards them, right? But what if you're here today and you're really... Or we are the Corinthian, right? What if today it's not really about like us, some, like we need to open wide to someone who shut their heart off from us, but what if it's someone's been opening their heart wide towards us, but we're the one who shut it off. Are y'all feeling me? Y'all get it? Y'all get it? What if we're that person? Well, that's point number four, right? I'm glad you asked. Back up. Back up. And here's what I mean. Look at uh, verse 13. He says in verse 13, As a fair exchange. I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. As a fair exchange. If you have like a new American standard version. That's what a lot of us in here have. um, Or an ESV it says the word in like exchange. I have an LSV here. In like exchange or in fair exchange. What he's saying is. In an exchange of affection here. An exchange of heart, open wide your heart, exchange it just like a child does with a parent. Back up. So if you're re- we're here, you, it may be a deal of, it's not really, you're not in the position of Apostle Paul. You might be the Corinthians, and you need to take a step back and reciprocate that love that's come to you. I'll give you an example. Cadence, right? Um, cadence, sweet six-year-old Cadence. One of the things she says to Cindy, and she says, like this is over and over through their day is that Cadence says, I don't know if Cindy's in here right now or she's back there. What what is well, Arabella and Trinity know, what does Cadence say to mommy all the time? What about I <laughs> no, I love, oh, I, I love you, right? I've heard it many times, like when she's doing like her work with her, like her kindergarten work right now, their homeschooling kindergarten, is that, and I, I've heard it where Cadence will just go just out of nowhere, like mommy, I love you. Mommy, I love you. Right. By the way, if you've got little kids, enjoy that while you can. Right. I mean, just suck it all in. Right. There. There may be a small season where that doesn't happen as much. Right. But it's coming back. Just make it through the storm. But she'll say, "Mommy, I love you." Right. It's the natural innocence of a child. Right. That. That's the natural. Re- I mean mommy's doing for her and she she has nothing but to go like mommy i love you like that's all she can describe in that moment like mommy i just love you right there's nothing like those the love of those little fingers wrapping around your neck right and and there's there's really no ulterior motive right it's just a simple display now what is he saying in this he's saying back up let's go back to a parent-child relationship a child freely loves their parent right Small child, not talking about teenagers, right? A small child freely loves. can be a teenager, right? I'm sorry, teenagers. I, I said bad about you, right? But you get what I'm saying, right? There's this in like manner, right? He says it in the text in verse 13. He says, in like exchange. So Paul says, hey, back up. The way that a child loves a parent through reciprocity that comes naturally, the, Mommy, I love you. Like, maybe some of us need to back up and start giving that back. Maybe there's someone who has been reaching towards us, and we've been ghosting them. We won't answer their text. We won't answer their phone call. We won't return it. We won't show up for a birthday. We are walking in the stew of bitterness, and it is tearing your soul apart. Maybe you need to back up. Now, as we end this message, I can't help but also kind of have this idea. Ultimately, everything's pointing us to the good news of Jesus. And I think there's some in here today that you actually won't back up and consider how you may need to actually repent and be open to restoration from someone who has been trying to open up their heart to you because there might be something bigger. It may be more than just a backup in your relationship with that person. There may be some, and even hearing us online, that need to back up with Christ. Need to back up You know, there's so many people that think they are in Christ that really are not in Christ, right? In a minute, we're going to have some baptisms. And, um, you know, what's really great, I'm I'm really excited for for you to hear um, Arabella's getting baptized this morning. We're going to tell you the story of that. You might be going like, oh, wait a minute, I thought she was baptized before. She was. She just took a bath on a Sunday morning, right? But God's been doing like some work, right? So, like, she would be a reflection of someone who had to kind of back up, right? And, and, and come to grips that, although there was a profession of faith in the past, that wasn't authentic profession and has come to a point in life where, like, yes, now I am in Christ, right? Maybe you're here and you need to back up. And, and I can tell you a good litmus test of backing up. And, and I'm, I'm speaking to you, the person who has been professing Christ but you know you really don't have a possession of Christ, right? You're going to see it in something like this. Are you hard-hearted, bitter, unforgiving, twisted towards others? I would say this. Have you revisited what Christ has done for you? Because what Christ has done for you changes your disposition where you can freely forgive as you've been forgiven. I'm not saying if you're unforgiving that you're not a Christian, but I am saying if you're unforgiving and you experience no conviction over that, friend, please, for for the love of the gospel, would you please revisit the authenticity? Would you back up and quit taking communion until you get that solved, right? Would you back up and make sure is Christ yours? Would you back up and make sure, have you confessed him? Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says what? Shall be saved. Are you a Christian? You belong to him. You might need to back up. I'm not trying to plant something that God hasn't done there, but there's so many Christians who come to church week week in and week out that have really never, they've gone forward in a walk with Christ, but never actually have Christ. They need to back up. In a minute, we're going to sing. Worship team, actually, you can make your way up here. We're going to sing. And as we sing this song, maybe that's you. You need to back up and profess Christ. And maybe if you do that, hey, come get baptized. We got some extra clothes, right? Um, maybe you haven't followed the Lord and Believer's Baptism. This is an opportunity, right? Or we can do it another week. But I want to do this. Would you stand to your feet? And I want to pray for you at this moment. I want to pray for us who are in Christ, but I want to pray for you if you're here and you're not in Christ. I want to pray a prayer of salvation that I prayed at 16, something similar that others have prayed. The prayer doesn't save you, and I'm not trying to manipulate you into to Christ, but I do want to give you an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord, and sometimes it's just giving you the invitation. Would you bow your heads with me? At 16, there was a, this is a prayer that many have prayed. It's not this prayer exactly. It's, it's what this prayer means. There's a prayer that I prayed one time, and it was similar to something like this. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your law. I've sinned against you. I deserve your judgment. Thank you, Jesus, On the cross, you absorbed God's judgment against me. And then you offered your perfect, righteous life in my place. I trust you as my Savior. Come into my life. You are now Lord and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.